honest to God, five minutes before we started recording, my neighbor started moaning. <laughs> Every time, regardless of what time we record at. <laughs> Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Hey, nerds. Welcome to React Native Nerds, episode number 17. Today, we're going to talk about flat lists, why they suck or why they can suck with performance. <laughs> and uh, we're going to give you some tips on how you can fix that. Joining me, as always, is the great Carlini, Spencer <laughs> Carly. How are you, man? I told you I was going to bring that up. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I'll just, I just got to... I've, I've really had to own that. Whenever people ask for a, a nickname, I've never given one. I should just stick to that. Well, it is stuck. You are the great Carlini from now on. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I've been good this week. We've had insane storms, but fortunately nothing broke in said storms. Yeah, they, they rolled up this way too. Did they make it up there? Yeah, I lost some limbs on trees, but you know I had to cut them because they landed on our deck. Nothing huge. I mean, no damage or anything. But as I was chainsawing them, I'm thinking, huh, I don't care. This isn't my problem anymore. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter what the view looks like without these branches now. Right. Oh, that's funny. It's funny how your view, your whole outlook changes when uh, you don't own something anymore. Yeah. So is like the is everything sold and you're just kind of like waiting for basically the date to move out? Everything sold. What do you mean? Like all the crap I got to get rid of? I don't know. Like all the the paperwork stuff. Like technically, is the yeah. We're just waiting. Um, okay. We're, there's one thing left. The appraisal has to come in. I guess that's the last opportunity for the buyers to pull out. So if the house is appraised dramatically less than they wanted to buy it for, then the bank could deny them the loan Okay. and they might have to pull out or there's renegotiations so they can try and buy it for cheaper. It's like this whole thing. So right. um, that's the last thing. Everything, all the inspections came back good. Awesome. Yeah. What's the countdown now? We're targeting is the 30th. So uh, 27 days. All right. Yeah. And yeah. I'll tell you what, I was fine. Last podcast, I said I wasn't nervous or anything. As soon as September 1st hit and I had 30 <laughs> days, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're no longer counting in months. It's in days now. I know, yeah. But I had a huge purge weekend. Oh, my gosh. I have this um, this 12 by 25 shed out back. That it was just a collection point for everything. <laughs> and I emptied that out into my yard. And then I carried so much stuff out to the front. We're on a, not a really high traffic road, but we're on a corner into our cul-de-sac. So it's, you know, it's a really good spot to sort of get rid of stuff. And almost everything, with the exception of like three small items, was taken. And I'm talking, wow. I had like a front door. I had a couple <laughs> double hung windows. Somehow I ended up with like four huge eight or nine foot tall pillars that you would put on your front porch, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. I don't know how this stuff got in there. It just showed up and um, yeah, it's all gone, man. I wow. love, I love people. Yeah. That's They're awesome. Great. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, there were a lot of things I took out there that normally I would have loaded up and taken to like Salvation Army and stuff like old toys and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, man, if I can help my neighborhood out and they want stuff more power to them. So Absolutely. God bless them. They're taking everything. Right. Yeah. Less work for you or less distance. Yeah. You have to carry it. But that was pretty much my week. I mean, I've been now panicking and uh, trying to get rid of stuff and right. throw stuff out, pack stuff up. Good stuff. Yeah. This week I've been finally gotten to like dive into some code in React Native School side. I, so 
If you haven't listened to the previous podcasts, I think I've mentioned it, but basically right across the street, they're starting to build some houses. I'm in like one of those new subdivisions where they just cram in as many houses as possible. So it's just a, <laughs> nice. it's a ton of construction and it's been really loud. So like I haven't been able to produce any like new classes or anything. I mean, even scheduling this podcast has been tough because of how loud mm-hmm. it can be outside. But um, finally got into finishing some code. So now I've got a React Native Fundamentals workshop with like this really cool app that you can actually, while you're like going through the exercises, it'll update within the app and you can kind of consume everything. So that'll be a fun thing. That'll be available on YouTube whenever I can actually get to recording it. And I also finished a full stack Twitter clone using React Native, Apollo, and then just uh, like a local database. So bunch of cool oh, nice. stuff on the code side and I'm excited to finally be able to like start create courses again once it gets a little bit more quiet around here. That's great. So you said that that first app updates as you go through the workshop. Are you like doing different branches and pulling code from Git? Is that how you're doing that? No. So the way I've got it set up is there's, I think at this point, a little over 10 lessons that you can go through. And Once you click into a given lesson, I've got like a tab bar at the bottom where you've got like an exercise tab, which is where when you're modifying your code and the file for that lesson, it'll go ahead and just like update as you're Oh, you're doing this in a browser? Yeah. Oh, cool. What platform did you use for that? So, I mean, it's just, it's a a React Native app that kind of consumes a React Native app. Okay. Basically, I, I built this based off of the way Kent C. Dodds does a bunch of his workshops, um, cause he's published how he does all of that. So you've got like an exercise tab, which is where you'll be doing your work. Then you've got tab for the finished code, which will show you like what you're actually working to, to build. And then you've got like extra credit ones and you've got all these tabs. So you can see basically a progression of starting from scratch to where you want to build your app. um, And then any extra credit things that each lesson has, you can like interact with them as you're building and you can have that reference point. So cool. And this is part of React Native School, or this is this a, a separate offering? It'll be part of React Native School, but I'm planning to make it like a self-guided workshop uh, that I just upload to YouTube, as nice. well. Wow, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it should be a, should be a good one, and hopefully it'll help fill in the gaps of a lot of the stuff that I find. I just skip over in a lot of my other courses. I just make a lot of assumptions about what people know. The goal with this workshop is just basically backfill this, so it'll be covering you know, basics of styling and layout and what's JSX or how do you split components into individual components or sharing code between files. So all the really, really fundamental stuff you need to know to really be able to leverage all the the cool, fun stuff that is React Native. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Well done. I can't wait to see it. I'm excited for it. The code's out there. It's ready. I just need to make the videos now. Cool. You just need some peace and quiet. Exactly. Oh man, I'm dying for. You can come up to my place. It's pretty quiet here. Yeah, I yeah. might have. Except, to. except, honest to God, five minutes before we started recording, my neighbor started mowing. Right. <laughs> Every I mean, time, regardless of what time we record at. <laughs> it does. It is so funny, and it's been all so crazy rainy, and it's finally not raining today, and so he's usually not even around. So it's just so funny whenever we go to record. Some freaking neighbor is out doing something, running a tractor because I'm in the country, running a backhoe or mowing the yard or doing it's oh my gosh. Oh man. I mean, it's not Murphy's Law, but there's got to be some name for that. Right. Cool. What kind of news do we have? Anything, anything in the what John likes? 
I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. Listeners, um, Spencer actually half renamed this section. He put it in, aka what John likes, in the show notes this this time around. It's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, there's a new phone out, and this is interesting. It does affect us because ZTE is announcing the world's first phone with a behind-the-screen camera. And, well, hmm. why does this affect us? It affects us because now we don't have a notch to worry about, at least on this Android phone. You still will with other ones. Uh, but this was really interesting. There's an unboxing video, a really weird unboxing video. When you watch it, you'll see. Anyway, he turns this thing on and then shines a flashlight up where the camera is, and you can see that the pixels up there are a little different. The display does show over the camera, so it isn't like this black spot or anything like that, but it is a little different. And then he shows a couple, uh, I think he flashes through different colored backgrounds and you could see there's just a little gray or black sort of tint in this little square at the center top of the screen. But it's kind of fascinating that, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't done this already. So this is this is a really neat kind of advancement because now we could potentially in the future, when Apple invents the behind the screen <laughs> camera <laughs> and then ZTE and Apple battle it out to see who did it first, you know, we could end up with an iPhone with uh, no notch. All screen. Just nothing yeah, but all screen. screen. Nothing but screen, right? The, the fight <laughs> for the no bezel. Pretty soon... Um, have you watched The Expanse on Amazon? Mm -mm. It's sci-fi, and they have they have these phones, and it's basically this piece of glass. It's pretty wild. There's no bezel at all. It's just all screen. Okay. So I think that's what we're going we'll for. We'll get yeah. there at some point. Yeah, yeah. And in not necessarily React Native news, <laughs> that one wasn't either, but there's a, a new framework called OpenBot. So if you're into robotics and you're into phones, this is really kind of cool. It's an open source project that leverages smartphones sensing capabilities and computation capabilities to create a low cost robot. What's interesting about this is I was part of FIRST, and I don't remember what it stands for, but it was a robotics competition organization. And I was a coach at a local high school. And I did that for three years. And we would build robots and actually you would put an Android phone on the robot and there was software that interface with the camera and proximity detection, all that sort of stuff, acceleration. But then you as the pilot of the robot would also have another Android phone and the software would talk back and forth. So you could program the phone on the bot for autonomous operation, or you could have remote control with the phone that the operator had. And we did that remote control. You would get um, a game pad and plug it in to the bottom of the operator phone. And then you could actually drive it around like you're playing an Xbox or something like that. You'd have your thumb, thumb joysticks and whatever, and you could <laughs> drive it around. Now, that software was all created and is maintained by FIRST. If you Google FIRST GitHub, you'll find the repo. It's all open source as well. So this is interesting because it looks like they're doing similar things, although this doesn't yet have a remote control capability. This is a you build a bot you plop a phone on it right now it will follow you around which is kind of neat but you know after about five minutes of it following you you know what what good is that but then it, it has an autonomous capability <laughs> where it can just drive around avoiding objects so you know i looked at the repo and the repo is literally like a week old so they're they're just getting into this and you know it's okay. just something kind of neat to watch 
because if they do remote control ability, there's a good chance that you could use those APIs and build a React Native app to control the robot. So that's the only reason, I, not the only reason I brought it up. That this is what John cool. likes section. So I like it. So I thought I'd talk about it. <laughs> uh, again, this is just for Android phones. And basically that's because at least with um, the robotic competition stuff, you'd have to put it in developer mode and then you could hook up to USB and basically throw any kind of code you wanted to on the phone. And we all know iOS don't play like that. So, you know, unless you jailbreak it. <laughs> right. Um, that's a whole other headache. Yeah. Um, haven't heard anything new in Fortnite news. Did you see those new um, Surface phones that the we Surface were discussing Duo. a couple weeks yeah. ago that like fold? Sur- Surface Duo. I'm starting to see the, the tech reviewers I subscribe to. They're starting oh, to yeah? How do they like them? Doing reviews on them. I haven't, I don't know. I haven't watched okay. any of the videos okay. yet. I just started noticing them last night, but. They're out there in the wild. Yeah, st- still waiting to hear back from uh, Microsoft on us getting exactly, our, our exactly demo right. Unit. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean the interesting thing with that is I don't know if if you would treat it as one big screen or if it's really two independent screens and how you would write code for that. You know, so that that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, when that comes out, definitely. Because I know, like even like building an app for an iPad is kind of a different strange thing and are you are you writing this specifically for the surface duo because you couldn't write an app well i mean i guess you could it'd be a whole lot of extra code but like you write an app for ios and android and the surface duo because you got a huge screen or two screens you know if you want them to act independently it's going to be really weird i think to develop for this thing i will have to watch one of those reviews if i would have remembered i would have watched one but yeah forgot Well, I, I did realize why I don't have time. So last episode that, that launched this morning, um, I talk about my um, road to hell that I've repaved multiple times with good intentions and uh, why <laughs> hope sucks and all that. So give a listen to that one if you haven't already. But I figured out why I don't have time for this because I spent so much freaking time editing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that podcast wasn't particularly long. But for some reason, it took me a good long time to edit that. And, you know, if we have a guest on, huh. we, we don't try to constrain the time. We just let it go until, you know, the topics fizzle out or we're just kind of done talking. And those always go longer. So, you know, I think that's it. Not that I'm putting the blame on this podcast, but, you know, I'd have a whole lot of extra time if I wasn't doing that. <laughs> right. And we're going to have to get an editor at some point. To... Yeah, so uh, watch out for our um, Patreon account. And then you'll be supporting the editing of the podcast and the tearing up yeah. of all of the pavement on my road to hell. <laughs> then you won't have any excuses. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'll come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man. So why don't we start off by talking about flat lists, not triangle lists or square lists. Or circle lists, but flat ones. <laughs> Getting into the topic of lists in React Native. It's something we're all going to work with. Actually, this is something I cover in fund- the Fundamentals Workshop. But, you know, how do you build a scrolling list? Not all of your content's always going to fit onto the screen. Typically, 90% of the time, someone's going to recommend the flat list. And the flat list is an efficient way to build lists in React Native. It's a core component. But it's not the easiest way to build uh scrolling list in react native so the easiest way is actually the scroll view and 
again, this is a component that comes from React Native, and it's basically a drop-in replacement for your view. It's going to allow you to put a bunch of content inside of a scroll view, just like you would a view, except it's scrollable if the content goes off the screen. So because of this, it's super, super simple. Everything's just loaded into memory. It's all rendered. It just allows you to put content outside of the screen, and it doesn't give you any customization on how to display things or optimize things. So a super, super basic list, scroll view is perfect. As soon as you start getting into larger lists or complex lists, or really just wanting to ensure you're being efficient or you know building for the future is when you want to start looking at the flat list. And flat list is going to bring you a bunch of stuff like uh, automatic memory management. The documentation is fantastic for the flat list and section list, which we'll touch on a little bit later. And then it also gives you the ability to do other more advanced stuff like pull to refresh or basically all the stuff that you you just see in a list. So like an infinite scroll list, all this kind of stuff, it gets easy mm -hmm. with a flat list. And those are kind of like your two base solutions for making a scrolling list. Yeah, the things to watch out for are really the size of your list. So what are you displaying for your user? The scroll view, like Spencer said, is really simple to just drop in and use. And you can create lists with that. You can, you know, and it scrolls really nice. It does load everything in memory. So if you end up with, and I'm not sure exactly what the size of this would be. Somebody may have done some research that I didn't look up. But, you know, just randomly, I'm just going to say 100 items or something like that. You know, it's going to start to get laggy. And if you scroll really fast, you'll have blanks. And then they'll, rend then they'll pop in after your app catches up. And I believe this will also affect the UI thread or the JavaScript thread. So the rest of your app will be laggy. So if you give it a flick and it's scrolling and then you try to tap on something, I think your tap is gonna queue up and sit there and wait until your scroll is finished, until it all catches up. So it's just something to be you know, aware of. Scroll view is an amazing component for really short things. I usually mm -hmm. say, you know, if you have like a dozen things and that's just me, that's my personal preference, you know, but typically if I have more than a dozen, then it's some, maybe a more important kind of list or a more feature rich type of list where I might have actions and things associated with those items. And then I'm going for the flat list just because it's, it's more mm -hmm. flexible and more customizable. Yeah. So like an example of using a scroll view, um, I've used it. If you have like just a basic profile or like a setting screen that just, you know, displays a user's profile information, their image, and like the ability to log out that expands beyond the list, or it could potentially, because we have to factor in different screen sizes. I'm just dropping that into a scroll view. I'm not going through everything with a flat list. Scroll view is enough for that. Now, if I have like a Twitter feed or an Instagram feed where there's a lot of content, people are refreshing it, I'm adding content to it, that's where you want to start looking at that yep. flat list. Once you are using a flat list or a section list, and a section list is just a flat list where you can break data up into different groups. It's all good. Yeah, a piece just fell. Good? Fuck. Okay. <laughs> all right, we're good. I'm just going to leave it off. I don't think I'm going to get too okay. much echo from that direction. Cool. <laughs> cool. All right, so forget the Patreon for our editor. We got to buy John a sound booth so he can record. Right. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so um, a section list is basically just a flat list. A flat list is going to take a an array of data and just render that. 
A section list is going to take an array of data, which can then be broken into individual sections, which have custom properties like a title, as well as data. So it's a, a section list is a, an array that contains an object which contains another array. And it just allows you to do different things visually. When we're talking about optimizing a flat list, all of these lessons apply to a section list as well. So these different props, these different strategies, it all, all crosses over. So before we dive into really optimizing it, I wanna cover a few important phrases that factor in when you're looking at the documentation and making choices on how you're going to optimize this flat list. First off is the phrase viewport. Viewport is going to represent what's actually rendered two pixels on the screen. And then this contrasts with the phrase window and window means something is mounted. So it's within memory, but it's not actually on the screen yet. So the window is going to be larger than the viewport and then the viewport is going to represent what's actually on the screen. And then you'll just basically see these words as you go through the documentation. And I should say basically everything we're talking about on optimizing a flat list is based entirely off of a document within the React Native docs. Um, it's awesome. It's called Optimizing Flatlist Configuration. We'll have a link to it, but it just gives you a bunch of uh, examples, which we'll talk through today, on how to go ahead and optimize a flatlist. And what's what's important as we go through this is to understand how these actually work. If you think of the scroll view, basically what you're doing is you're stacking those up in this giant column. Say you have 100 items and only 10 of them are visible in the viewport. So your window, which we talked about, is mounted but not visible. That has 100 items in it, 10 of which are visible through your viewport. As you scroll, those scroll up and down the list. Everything stays in memory the entire time. What's cool about the list view is that you can configure this, and we'll talk about these all these settings, and um, I'm super cynical when we go through these settings too, because I'm reading these, I'm like, well, that's a pro and that's a con, but I don't know which one I would pick. You know, is it, does that mean it's good or does that mean it's bad? And like every <laughs> single one of these, I'm like, so that doesn't help me decide which, you know, which one's good or bad. So anyway, we'll get into that in a second. But basically the, the list view, what's cool about that is that you can configure how many of those are mounted in the window. So you can have, three or four sets of 10, so 30 above your viewport or 30 below your viewport. And as you scroll, it'll pop them off and only keep 30 above and 30 below. And you know, your, your 10, so it would keep 70 sort of in memory at any given time. And as you scroll, they pop on and pop off. And it's really kind of cool how that happens. So that's, that's really important because a mm -hmm. lot of these options that we're going to talk about the props have to deal with how all that is set up and it's going to be different for everybody you know how i would use this or how i have used this is going to be totally different for somebody else so with that you want to jump into the props yeah definitely so whenever you're using a flat list or a section list which are implementations of the virtualized list which um, isn't something you're really ever going to use but it just the only point with that is that it's going to inherit these props. So these props are actually coming from a virtualized list. And basically what John was talking about was what are we actually rendering? And the way that we uh, render things or define how much should be rendered is via a few different props. First off is the initial num to render. And this is just telling you how many items you're actually going to render 
into memory when your list first loads. So let's take an example where we have an app that has a thousand contacts in it. If we try to render all 1000 of those contacts, the user is just going to sit there for a while waiting for all of those to render before they actually display. That's no good and it makes no benefit to render all 1000 of those contacts if we can only show 10 of them at first. So what we want to do is use this initial num to render is basically to determine how many items we should initially render so that the user has everything they need to fill that screen and then also to have a good scrolling performance when they leave that screen and start scrolling, but not so many where it makes everything linger and take mm -hmm. a long time to render. Going ahead with the initial num to render, you can also determine exactly how many to continue to render at a time as you're scrolling. So as you're scrolling and you start reaching the end of those initial number to render, again, you you know if you rendered 30 initially and you're scrolling down, you don't want to render all 700 after that because you're going to run into that same issue of a blank screen just being there. So you can then specify how many to render per batch. And this per batch is going to be as you're reaching the end of the list, okay, we see that, how many should I render at that point? You can specify that to be another 10 or another 30 or another 50, whatever it may be, so that as a user's scrolling, it's staying very performant, very quick, very responsive, but they never run out of content from the screen. So it just always feels like you rendered the entire list, but in reality, behind the scenes, it's going ahead and rendering those. So the initial num to render and the max to render per batch is a really good way to really start optimizing based off of exactly what your app is doing to give the, the best possible experience. Yeah, and there's a couple user. things here. I can't stress enough that unfortunately, you're gonna wanna tweak these using a device because things are gonna work way better in your simulator or emulator than they will on your actual device. So while the memory management mm -hmm. should be the same, um, it's very possible that if you have an older iPhone or an older Android, it's probably easier to get a hold of an older Android. As you scroll, that could take a memory hit more so on, on an older phone. So, you know, try to tweak these in your simulator and emulator, but you're definitely going to want to test and make sure things are responsive and scrolling and working really well on a physical device. And this is kind of like, it's almost like a voodoo kind of sciencey voodoo science. There you go. Another, another new term coined here on the show. So this voodoo science is, is really hard because so in my conference app, I have, I mean, it is like the Walmart of list views. So if it's a four day conference, there's four list views right there. There's one for each day. Then there's an attendee list view, which is crazy long depending on the size of the conference, there's a vendors list view, but each of those are searchable and filterable. And, you know, so you, you end up with all of this functionality on all of these lists. So I have gone down this voodoo science and I don't know that I'm actually an official doctorate of voodoo science yet, but you know, I have played with all these numbers <laughs> and it, is, it isn't that it's not necessarily that easy to get right. But once you do, you know, you know what I mean? So, so you do need to tweak these mm -hmm. and it is totally dependent on how you're getting your data. If you have to do an API call to fetch more data, then you're going to have to change these numbers around because you're going to have to account for the time it takes to go get those. Or when you go grab those, that extra data, how you're loading that, um, you know, so there's a lot of other variables that come into play with on top of just these numbers. 
So, you know, if they're too low, you get really great performance, but then you end up with maybe some blank cells as you're scrolling. If they're too big, then it takes too long to load. You know, if you're only loading a short set of your data and you're doing searches or filters, then you need to hit your API to go find all that data and bring it back. So th there's just a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Flat lists and are like hard. Said, it's, a, it's a voodoo science and like, <laughs> they're quick to get started with, but once you start making things complex, yeah. it, it gets tricky. And like ev every app I've worked on, the optimizations, um, they're different because like the components you're rendering are going to be different. If they're more image heavy, you have to make those different considerations and all kinds of different stuff. Um, one other prop. So there's a bunch of props you can touch on. I'll let you read them all in the blog post or the, the guide. But one other one that um, I've actually used and customized is the window size prop. And basically that allows you to determine outside of the viewport, how big is that window going to be? How big is that area you're going to start rendering things into memory so that they're available once you actually come into the viewport? And again, just kind of got to customize it and feel figure out what feels right given how you're getting your data and how expensive your individual list items are. And the list items, you know, there's a whole lot of tips on, on building those as well. You don't want crazy, crazy complex list items. I mean, on the basic level, you're displaying text to the user about that particular thing. You can easily go overboard with, you know, slide actions, you know, slide it over to the left and you see, I don't know, I'm just thinking email, delete, archive, you know, whatever. You could add slide to the right options. So you can, you know, forward it or save it for later or star it or something like that. Then you can tap into it. You can do a long press into it. So you can create like crazy, crazy complex list items. So one row of data. And the more and more complex those are, the worse your performance is going to be as well. So you need to take into consideration because right. basically they're loading all of that extra functionality every single time one of those rows renders. Um, you know, and there's a whole lot of other voodoo science in, uh, you know, trying to make those work as well. Yeah, basically like every line of code that you're writing in an, uh, a list item is going to, there, there's a performance implication. I'm not saying like you can only use one view, two text, and, you know, a single image. I, I've got one component where, I mean, it it's a it's a heavy list item. And like we did see some performance issues, but it's still a very heavy component. It does a lot. It renders markdown. It determines if it's an expanding cell or, or not. It renders icons, all kinds of stuff. So it's it's not a basic component, but we have had to make some optimizations around it to make sure everything works well. And one of the, the biggest ones that I've found is, so in this list, each cell can have a custom icon. Make sure your icons aren't huge when you only need a little icon off to one side make the images the appropriate size for that because rendering a big image although it's only showing small because you constrain the height you're still rendering that big image so if you go ahead and make it smaller it's going to render that much yeah, it faster. all takes up memory mm -hmm. um, actually so I, I was doing consulting on a project recently and i found basically when i was working on the app the performance was just awful it was only like a, a flat list of six items or something oh, no. and i couldn't figure out what was going on um and i mean it, it was like it was really bad but 
basically I, I ended up finding out that the way they were rendering shadows, and I never figured out how they were rendering shadows, it was a component they had imported and I basically I just removed it and performance instantly improved. Mm. Basically there's there's a bunch of little things where it's like a take things away, kind of like if you're trying to figure out, you know, what food you're allergic to or something do a, I forget what they call that kind of diet, an, an, an elimination diet. Do that with your components if you're having performance issues. Because in my experience, it's always been one small piece that is the big culprit versus the overall component. Yeah, that brings in a good point. Um, because if you if you do a Google for list item or row components and things, just like that shadow, there's components that you can install that will enhance your list view or your row or your items that sort of thing so all of those are going to do a performance hit too and now you're at the mercy of somebody else's code so mm -hmm. you just got to be careful of the different i mean that goes app wide not just necessarily you know for a list but you, you sort of need to know what you're adding to your app and have a good handle on the code that's actually being executed there yeah that actually brings me to a point what what's your point of view on third-party packages are you someone who like dives in and tosses in a third-party package right away? Or are you like, okay, maybe it'll just be easier for me to build it myself? Oh, I just um, copy and paste Stack and Overflow code. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> Caution to the wind, don't care. There it is. Yep. Um, no, it's, it's kind of funny because I'm about 50-50. I don't have enough experience to write a whole bunch of this cool stuff myself. So I do rely on on external packages, but I will usually research the crap out of a package and make sure there's a lot of tutorials and really good documentation for whatever package that I'm installing before I start using it. Just so when it's there, I know what it's doing, kind of how it's doing it. Again, lack of experience doesn't doesn't tell me exactly how everything is working. There, there are a lot of packages out there and a lot of people are spinning mm -hmm. up code and making it available, which is absolutely fantastic. And it's just how you piece these things together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm I lean more toward looking for a package before I try to build something myself. Yeah, I tend to be the same. Um, I cautiously optimistic whenever I add a package, but there's always that you need to be aware of. You know, okay, how do I keep this up to date? What if there's some sort of bug? Um, also, whenever you add a package, then you have to you know read the change log of any changed versions. So it's just something to be aware of. I, I've seen people just like, you know, it's a basic project and I swear their package.json is bigger than the code they've written. And it's just like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of great code out there, but it's like, are you really comfortable and capable of using all of this code? Because as soon as it's added to your project, it's not the developer's problem anymore. Like that's your problem to maintain that code and figure out how to upgrade it and all of that. So I don't know, just something to be aware of because I think yeah, that shadow package was a third-party package that was killing performance. So something to be aware of. It's like um, build an Instagram app with React Native in 100 lines of code or less. And right. the, the package JSON file is 300 different packages that all interact together <laughs> to build your, your Instagram app. Yeah, upgrade one minor version or a patch version and everything. Oh, works. yeah, no, you don't upgrade. You don't upgrade when you do that kind of crap. <laughs> you just push it to yeah. the app store and hope for the best. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's see. Looking at list items, something else. Um, if you use ESLint, this is going to show up every time, but the key extractor prop on a flat list or section list 
is a necessity. Basically, the key extractor is going to allow you to specify some piece of data that uniquely represents that particular list item. And this is going to allow you to, or allow React to figure out, should it re-render, should it not re-render? Basically, like if you've got dynamic content in a list, you're going to want this. Really, you want this no matter what, because it just lets React be React and be really smart. And reality is like, you're probably going to have some unique piece of data, be it a name or an ID or whatever, that you can use as this property that allows you to specify a unique element within your list. And that's going to work through the key extractor prop. Yep. And I use that that key uh, when I'm updating my list. So my app goes out to the server. If there's any changes to any of the sessions or vendors or attendees, it will pull those back and be able to find that item if it's an update and update the content just in that one item instead of re-rendering the entire list. Or if it's a new session, it'll know where to insert it in that list. So it'll just sort of pop yeah. in without having to re-render. Because if you if you do this wrong, if you manage your flat list incorrectly, if you do a pull to refresh and that whole thing refreshes, man, that's a performance hit right there. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're, you're going to notice that your users are going to notice it. And it's something that's really easy to avoid. Um, Something else that's really easy to avoid, and this is something that I just recently learned, and you know, to be completely honest, like it's something I'm still not super comfortable in how to how I understand it or if I'd be able to explain it. So basically, in a flat list, each item is going to be rendered via the render item. And essentially you don't want to use an anonymous function within that render item. So you don't want to define that function within the actual render item prop. You'll want to go ahead, pull that into a separate variable, for example, called render item, and then pass that to the actual render item property. This is going to allow the function to not have to recreate itself each time it's rendered. How much of a performance improvement does that make? I don't know. I, I can't say I measured it, but it's another one of those things where it's like, okay, if I'm looking for low-hanging fruit to potentially solve this problem, just pulling that render item out into its own variable, it might might help you. So uh, that's another quick and easy one before you have to go and start really looking at changing design or changing the structure of your list item component. Right, and for the listeners that are like me and um, don't necessarily understand an anonymous function, basically what that is is you have your flat list component, so bracket flat list, and one of the props in there is render item. It is wholly feasible to write out uh, render item equals and then a view you know your view component text and everything that's going to render your item right there inside the flatless component um, so basically that's what spencer means with an anonymous function so you would take out that entire view that you're rendering there and move it out into its own function and then you just call that function from render item. And you know, I think the same goes, they don't actually have this in the docs, but I think the same goes for like the footer and the header. It's, um, yes. that only would get rendered once, not every single time. I mean, personally, I just think it's easier to manage if it's outside of the flatless component. It's just way easier to deal with because, you know, you could actually have an external component for your header and footer, and then you import them in the top and then you just reference them down in your flatless component. So, I mean, there's there's really elegant ways to sort of manage this stuff. And then 
as far as aesthetics goes, because I love beautiful, elegant code, then you just have your flatless component <laughs> where you have your key value, your key data equals items, render item equals render item, you know, header, footer, all that is all nice and neat. And um, it isn't ugly. And hey, I mean, like ugly code is hard to debug code. So it is. Yeah. prettier the code, easier it is to read and understand it and figure out where you actually broke something. Yeah. So pro tip right there. Yeah. ESLint is one of the first packages I always add. The ESLint rules I have, ESLint-config-handlebar-labs, it's an NPM package you can install, but basically it'll tell you whenever you use a flat list, hey, you're missing a key extractor, or I think React Native might do that. Okay. I don't know. Whenever I'm working on something, it always tells me, hey, add a key extractor to my flat list, nice. and it always it's always worth it. But looking outside of core React Native and optimizing the flat list or the section list, uh, John, you also added a package called Recycler List View, which I've heard of, but I've never actually used before um, or really read the documentation for. I did. So what's that one? Yes, this is amazing. This is produced, um, built, and maintained by Flipkart. And Flipkart is a huge Indian e-commerce website, and they have an app. And it is built from the ground up for performance. So it's already optimized. So if you use this, you don't need to listen to any of the rest of the podcast. So maybe we should have led with this. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not necessarily a drop-in replacement. There are different properties. There, you know, it's it's a different sort of signature or whatever. But it is built um, for. There's they claim no blanks. So you scroll as fast as you want. There's no blanks. There's no frame drops. It's sixty frames per second. It's supposed to be super elegant. Uh, it's mobile and web. So if you're doing uh, React Native web or anything like that, you can also use it. Or if you're building a website with a list view, you can use this for the, for the web as well. And it's really cool. They have a bunch of demos. We, I'm linking over to their GitHub repo in the show notes. And if you scroll down through, they have a bunch of, a ton of features, like sticky features. And I think it, this all comes from them actually eating their own dog food like they built this for their mobile app which mm -hmm. must be highly performant because they have thousands and thousands of products and it's open source now so so you can use this in your app if i were to rebuild my conference app because COVID is gone and conferences are up and i didn't have to edit this podcast and had free time then i would <laughs> i would swap out all of my flat lists for recycler list view Unfortunately, I would. I really wish I could say that I did use this in production, but um, I have not. But it looks pretty cool, so you should check that out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and like if if I don't know, optimizing the flat flat list or the section list just isn't working, or you don't want to go through that, this might be the way. I haven't used it either, but reality is, despite working on an app that is, you know, just a big master detail list view, section list still works fine for me just taking some of those basic, basic optimizations working in that blog post. But also, I guess I should add to that, not, despite having a lot of lists, none of the lists I'm working on are particularly large, and the data set is always static. So basically, I can render all of the list items for a given screen into one view. But if you've got something bigger, like thousands of products that you can render, this recycler list view um, may be the easiest optimization method to go through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely give it a check out for sure. Well, I think that's all I've got on optimizing flat lists. I know I've taken some of this and applied it to uh, my app and improving performance, making it better, make, making sure everything stays 
nice and snappy in there. Yep. I'm, uh, I, uh, you know, here's a good intention. So <laughs> in that UFO app that I'm building, I'm planning on using recycler list view in the list of all of the sightings. So mm. you can look forward to that if I ever get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be like an undercurrent theme now. John promises the world and delivers nothing ever, <laughs> which is very unlike me in real life. So, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, it's just it delayed. Yeah. Delayed, a delayed gratification. Bit. That's right. So right. it's going to take a while, people. But, you know, if you're using this stuff in your app, give us a, a tweet at RN Nerds or an email, the nerds at reactnativenerds.com or find the episode on reactnativenerds.com and leave a comment. Jump into iTunes, Absolutely. leave us a review. Five stars are appreciated. Maybe look for a Patreon. I don't know. We'll have to talk about how we want to do that. I would love to get an editor. Yeah, we'll for figure this something stuff. out. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out for yeah. sure. All righty. Well, thank you everyone for joining us and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, we'll see you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can get show notes and leave comments at reactnativenerds.com.